All right, well, we got some lawnmowers in business, so I'll try to talk louder. And hopefully they're not planning on mowing. No, it's a private property over there, so we're good. That would be interesting. All right, well, this past uh, year and a half, the church in the United States and around the world has undergone dramatic change. So at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, churches, including ours, that have needed alternative formats for gathering and for hearing God's word. And in some ways it's worked, right? Uh, so the pandemic led people to tune in who perhaps would never have come to our church in person. Hopefully they've heard the gospel and they've been encouraged to pursue Christ. Even before the pandemic, people have increasingly used online streaming to get the sense of the flavor of church services before they even visit. And so there are, of course, great benefits to technology for the local church, including online church giving, right? However, what is lost in virtual church? Uh, what sacrifices are made? So there's, there's something real and tangible about what we lose when we listen to a sermon online or sing along with a hymn in our living room. But what is it? What are we missing when we just watch YouTube church or have just a good Christian friend circle or maintain our personal devotions? Are we missing anything? Well, we're considering during these months of September and October the purpose of the local church. And last week we spent time looking at the big picture, sort of the 30,000 foot view of what the church is and why she exists. And we made this big claim that the church is not just an add-on for the Christian, but is itself the very goal of history. So one church scholar likes to see this in terms of image. God made us, men and women, to bring him glory and fill the world with his image. That was the purpose of Adam's creation to begin with. But when Adam and Eve fell into sin, the image of God, made to bring him glory, was marred by evil. And the world was corrupted as each one of us now pursue not God's glory, but our own, distorting and perverting his image in this world. But then we also saw how in Christ we are being again conformed to his image. And the new mandate we have from our king is called the Great Commission in which we again, like Adam was meant to do, go again into the world and are fruitful and multiply in filling the world with the glory of God through people who bear the image of his son. That's the big picture. But how do we get more practical today? How do we as Christians live in light of that big picture, that grand storyline? How do we live out our participation in the body of Christ, the church? Or we live out our union with the universal church through particular manifestations called local churches. That's what happened after the Great Commission, right? Jesus' disciples got this commission to go spread the gospel, and they went out with this message, and what did they leave behind in many instances? Local churches, to whom Paul would write back to and check in on, right? Indeed, most of the time the New Testament uses the word church it's speaking about local churches, local assemblies, local displays of the global reality that is the people of God. 
See, unlike God, we are finite creatures. We're confined by space and time, at least for now. There's better times to come, even though we'll still be confined in many ways because we're human. But as Christians, we will experience now the body of Christ, our extended family, primarily in the immediate family of the local church, right? So, of course, we're members of the same body of Christ as Augustine and Martin Luther and Billy Graham. Uh, Of course, we're members of the same body of Christ as our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan today or North Korea or Scotland. But we don't live out our faith with these brothers and sisters in Christ day to day, right? We live out our faith within the local church in our midst. And so as we read the New Testament, we see local churches led by local pastors. Think Timothy, think Titus. We see local churches holding on to the gospel themselves and then proclaiming it out from their midst like the Thessalonians. We see local churches living together in Christ carrying out the one another commands of scripture together, forgiving one another, watching over one another, loving one another. So if this is what we've been joined to as Christians, what is the Christian's role in his or her local church? Three statements for us to think about today. Three statements about the the Christian's participation in the local church. First, Christians live out their faith in the local church. Christians live out their faith in the local church. In other words, as it has been put, a faithful Christian is not a lone ranger Christian. That is one who lives out his or her faith between just themselves and Jesus. I think there may be different motivations behind wanting to do that that way, wanting to kind of just be me and Jesus, I'm a Christian. So perhaps that Christian is, is more of a private person to begin with. They don't regularly share their feelings and innermost beliefs with others, and so they sort of map that on to their Christian life as well. Or perhaps this Christian is so on fire in their Christian life, on, so on fire for Jesus, that the thought of some sort of commitment to a local church can feel counterproductive to their spiritual growth. Joining with others who might not be as lit for Christ as they are might prove to be a hindrance I mean, just think about what they could achieve if they just struck out on their own. Well, church, the the lone ranger Christian is not really living as Jesus intended. In fact, one Presbyterian pastor and scholar goes so far as to put it like this. He says, too many Christians think they can have Jesus without the church. They want the head without the body. They want a decorpulated Christianity. They want a decapitated Jesus. See, Scripture portrays the church as Jesus' body, made up of many members, receiving leadership and, and life from its head, which is Christ. So Paul in Ephesians 5 writes that Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. And so what the Lone Ranger Christian does is, in effect, attempt to cut off the head, Jesus, from the body, the church, thinking that his or her faith can be lived out without the head, or with the head, alone, without the body. The New Testament, I think, would have none of this sort of Christianity. John Stott, the late Anglican pastor of England, uh, the scholar, once said, an unchurched Christian is a grotesque anomaly. The New Testament knows nothing of such a person. 
For the church lies at the very center of the eternal purpose of God. It is not a divine afterthought. See, as Daryl read for us earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the church is the body of Christ. We are united by faith not only to Christ, but to his body. That's why we're called family. That's why the New Testament is full of references to Christians as brothers and sisters. And this reality of the extended family of Christ is lived out in the immediate family of the local church. While there are practical limitations to to living together as a family with the millions of Christians around the world, we can and must do so together as local churches. This is how we live out our personal faith, in communion with others. Hebrews chapter 10, Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The local church is where we live out our faith in community and where we are equipped and encouraged to live out our faith on mission. The local church is where we hear the preaching of God's word from those with direct spiritual oversight over us. So while we may find the preaching of somebody like John Piper or Alistair Bay or John MacArthur helpful to us, they're not our pastors. They are preachers. And they are pastors of their own churches. They have not been given watch care, spiritual watch care, over you as a local church. Though their preaching might give you a world of good. In Hebrews chapter 13 we read, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping a watch over your souls, as those will have to give an account Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. In the New Testament, in the early church, in in letters like 1 Timothy and, and the book of Acts, we see elders and at times deacons set up in local congregations to lead the specific Christians who are under their care. And the Lone Ranger Christian misses this important aspect of God's good design for his church. The local church is also the place where we chiefly observe the ordinances Jesus has given us as a church. What are the two ordinances Jesus has given us? Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism is our induction, our our bringing into the body of Christ, and therefore is often appropriately connected to local churches, where new Christians are baptized into the local church the particular display of the universal body of Christ. And then you got the Lord's Supper, where we renew our fellowship, not only with Christ, but with one another. I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, where he says, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. If you remember, we'll we'll look at this, Lord willing, in a month or so when we study the Lord's Supper. But in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul writes, or 1 Corinthians 11, he tells the Corinthian Christians who take the Lord's Supper together, he says, come together. 
And he says, wait for everybody else before you eat it. The Lord's Supper is a family meal meant to be shared with other believers in Christ. And at the Corinthian church, shared physically, in person, with one another. The term church membership is not in the Bible. But at Loudoun Valley, we believe it is a helpful, prudent way to exercise the principles we see all throughout the New Testament. The author Jonathan Lehman puts it like this. He says, church membership is an assumed reality on nearly every page of the New Testament epistles. But the language is different. Membership in the church is membership in a family. It comes with family obligations. It's membership in a body. It comes with all the dynamics of being connected to every other part. Every biblical metaphor for the church helps us to understand what membership is. And all of them are necessary because there's nothing else in the world like the church. See, local church membership puts flesh on our membership in Christ's body. So Christians live out their faith in local churches. Second statement. Christians affirm one another's faith in the local church. Christians affirm one another's faith in the local church. See, if that first point was more about your personal walk with the Lord and how that dovetails with the church, this second point is more about our faith together as a church body together. We need the church. Why? Because we are epic pros at deceiving our own hearts. In order to follow Christ and deny ourselves, we need each other. We need one another to hold us accountable, to have mutual responsibility for our spiritual health. We need pastor shepherds who will run after us if we stray from the flock and bring us back to the fold. Some of you have spent years of your life struggling with eternal security, right? Am I a Christian? Will I go to heaven? Can I somehow outsin the grace of God? And I think one of the best ways to build your confidence in your faith is to live your faith out in a local church where others will know you and others will have responsibility for you, where your profession of faith will be affirmed regularly by those who speak into your lives as they see the fruit of your faith and observe your pursuit in your faith, as they share the one bread and the one cup with you as a local church. Again, in Hebrews, this time chapter 3 and verse 12, we read this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Okay. I see the danger here, author of Hebrews. So what do I do? How do I take care? How do I have this healthy self-analysis of where I am with Christ? He continues, but exhort one another every day. Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Christians are to be in each other's lives so we are not led astray by the the wooings and the beckonings of sin that often look so much more attractive than Christ. I'm going to have you turn with your Bible, turn with me in your Bibles if you have them, 
to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 to illustrate this a little bit more. So there's this idea of affirming one another's faith, of being responsible for one another in a local church. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we see a practical example of how this works out in an actual church that actually existed. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he rebukes them as a church because one of them is engaging in sexual immorality. And a sexual immorality that Paul says not even pagans would participate in. It's that deviant. It's that unspeakable. And so what does he say they should do? What should the church do with this man? Look with me at the second half of 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 2. Paul writes, Let him who has done this be removed from among you. He goes on and says, When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Paul gives the local church responsibility over the health of the members of that church. The Corinthian church at this time of Paul's writing is affirming this man in his sin. Sort of kowtowing to his his presence and saying, yeah, everything's cool. And Paul is livid. He's saying, instead, you should be helping this man see the grave reality of his sin. And you should help clarify that for him by removing him from your fellowship in your church. Look at the end of the chapter in verse 12. Paul says, it is, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those who are outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Friends, this is often called the practice of church discipline. To many, it sounds unloving. But if you think about it, it's actually the very opposite of unloving. Because if it's the case that this man in Corinth has deceived himself and actually even maybe taken confidence in the fact that he has good standing with his church still, and perhaps even good standing with Jesus, the Lord of the church, while at the same time partaking in and living in rebellious sin, well, his delusion will end up in his condemnation. And so for the very, the very most loving th- thing then for the, his church to do is not to share in his lie or overlook his lie, but rebuke him in it and show him the danger he's in. Paul says, not just to like get him out and never see him again, but so that his spirit might be saved. People speculate that then in 2 Corinthians, when Paul talks about the person in grief over their sin, he says, welcome him back. And there's debate about whether this is the same guy, but it could be. That eventually being put out of the church humbled him so greatly in his sin, clarified for him so much his standing with Jesus in the church that he repented and turned back. Of course, that is our prayer. So whose responsibility is it for this man's holiness, for this man's walk with the Lord? Paul sees it as the church's responsibility. See, as we live together as members of the body of Christ in the local church, 
We affirm each other's profession of faith. That's one of the reasons we do membership interviews, to hear your profession of faith, to hear if you're walking with the Lord, right? Because we want to affirm you in that. And if it becomes clear then at at any time that one member's profession is no longer credible, we are compelled by Scripture to do something about that out of love. That's the loving thing to do. It's a way of protecting each other, watching over each other. It's a way of persevering together towards heaven. There at the end of 1 Corinthians 5, Paul makes it clear that there's an inside of the church and an outside of the church. And as a local church, we must try as best we can to ensure that those inside our church are truly regenerate, are truly living in Christ. That sounds exclusive, and it is, but it's not unloving because eternity is at stake. That sounds exclusive, and it is, but it is not unwelcoming because anyone can get in on this. Anyone who turns in faith and lives in Christ. This is one of the major benefits of life in the local church as we affirm each other's faith. So let me be honest. I don't trust myself. Sure, I'm a pastor. But I struggle with sin just like you do. I have propensities to certain sins that if left unchecked will have danger of condemning me. I've shared with you guys, in, whether it's over coffee or in our community group, some of my sins. So I'll give you some of them. Sin to anger and lashing out with my words. Sins of anxiety and distrust of God that he actually has what's best in mind for me. Sins of self-centeredness and trying to live all the time so that everyone all around me will always like me. Those are all sort of respectable sins, right? I could get, I could get a little bit more nitty-gritty and I'll, I can feel free to talk with me about that later. But those sins that characterize me are insidious and threatening to my soul. Left unchecked, they will destroy me. I need Jesus' power of his gospel at work in my life, but I also need Jesus' body at work in my life through you all. I need you. I need a local church I've committed to to call me to continued repentance and faith. I need other elders who will run after me if I stray. I shudder to think where I would be, but for the local church. We need each other. This is probably, if, you, if you've been tuning out, if the lawnmower is distracting you, if your cars are driving by, if it's just really nice out, or if the sun's right in your eyes, this is all I really want you to hear. Being a Christian is more than just your personal walk with Christ, though it certainly is that. Being a Christian identifies you with others to whom you are joined and in some sense are responsible for. In our individualistic society here in the West, we must not let our faith become individualized. We are members of the same body, connected in Christ. 
We watch over one another's walk because we love each other and we're committed to each other. So if you're a member of Loudoun Valley Baptist Church, I want you to just listen in for a little bit. Do you understand that you have responsibility for the other souls in this congregation? To pray for them, to care for them, to watch over them. Is your faith one that is characterized by a walking alongside others, both to benefit them and then to receive benefit from them? If you died this afternoon, whose spiritual walk in this church would be greatly impacted because you were no longer speaking into their lives? Christians affirm one another's faith in the local church. Okay, final statement then. Christians faithfully display Christ through the local church. Christians faithfully display Christ through the local church. See, it's not just about us. We're part of something bigger. Being a local church is about representing Christ faithfully. It's about living for Him and portraying Him faithfully and accurately to a watching world. I think this is probably one of the reasons Paul was so adamant that the Corinthian church removed the immoral man from their midst. It wasn't only for the spiritual good of that immoral man so that he might return and repent. It wasn't even for the spiritual health of that church in Corinth. Though both of those things were indeed important and true. It was for the sake of the image of Christ being portrayed through that church. Seeing being part of a local church here at Loudoun Valley Baptist Church, we call this church membership here. Being part of one another in this body is about making Jesus look great and making sure we're portraying in our weakness and our repentance and our holiness, his light. That Jesus in his gospel is crystal clear in the way we live together and the message we communicate. When a local church condones sin, it lies about Jesus to the watching world. It says, yeah, you can follow Jesus and live however you want. When a local church condones sin, it lies about the gospel. The good news that we could never earn God's favor on our own. But Jesus has come to earn it for us through his perfect life and his death and resurrection in our place. Jesus has saved us when we were his enemies. But it didn't end there. He has also begun now to change us from the inside out. So that we no longer live life as we used to, but we pursue him. And we look differently as time goes on. And so I believe this, that taking the local church seriously will go a long way in decreasing nominal Christianity. Just showing up, playing the game. And I think taking the local church seriously will maybe in the best way showcase clearly the image of Christ to those watching us. So I wonder how you're taking this sermon. 
Perhaps you're here and you're not a Christian. Uh, We're happy you're here. We're always happy to have anyone come into our midst. But we want you to know that the church is more than just a religious institution. We're not here as Loudoun Valley Baptist Church in Purcellville just to compete with the other local churches down the road. I mean, there's one literally quarter mile down that way. We know them, we love them, we pray for them. I have coffee with their pastor. But our goal is not to compete with them for your vote, to compete with them for your tithe. Our goal is not to put on a better show than they do or provide better programs than they do, which we don't, by the way. On the contrary, we specifically partner with other local churches in this area to show that competition is not our intent. So what is our intent? We understand our existence as Loudoun Valley Baptist Church in Purcellville to be yet another local family of believers in covenant with each other to live out our personal faith and affirm each other's faith until we all make it all the way home. And we do this in part so that the community at large will see clearly who Jesus is in us. We want him to, we want the community to see how he, he saves sinners like us. So if you're not a Christian, we just want you to know we've done terrible things. We aren't here. We don't show up to church. We don't join a church because we're holier or more religious than you are. We're here because we know how unholy we are. And we found amazing joy in knowing that our Savior has come to take our sin on himself and give us new life through his death in our place. We'd love you to get in on this. Church is not for people who feel better than others. Church is for those who know how bad they are. Turn to Christ and be united to him and his body and find hope for eternal life today. Perhaps, though, you're here today as a Christian. But you've never actually, if you're honest, really thought much about the local church. I mean, it's just something you do as a follower of Christ. It's something you've always done. It's something your parents did. Well, if that's you, I'd encourage you to reflect a little bit today and consider how your faith has never been meant to be lived out alone. Jesus has united you not only to himself, but to his body, a body which is displayed locally in local churches. Do not decapitate Jesus. Do not deprive yourself of the the joy and the sorrows and the blessings of being part of his body, especially the specific assembly that is the local church. By all means, listen to worship music on Spotify to stir up your affections for Jesus. By all means, listen to pastors and preachers on YouTube to understand more greatly the the wonderful doctrines of Christ. By all means, pick up really good books like I just handed out and like we like to hand out often to grow your discipleship and your understanding of what it means to be a Christian. Do those things. But do not think those things will substitute for belonging to a local church. The author of that book cannot run after you in your sin. 
That preacher of that megachurch on YouTube cannot know how you're doing spiritually. The members of that church that you're watching on YouTube don't know you. And finally, perhaps you're here as a member of Loudoun Valley Baptist Church. Well, I hope afresh you see the responsibilities, benefits, and joys you have been given as part of this body. You've signed your name to our church covenant, which is not meant to be sort of my great ideas about how to build a good church organization, but is meant to just be a distillation of the one another commands and the other promises of Scripture. We have a church covenant not so we can set up a new law for Christians to gain God's favor. We set up a church covenant because it's a great way to remember how we are responsible to God and to one another. In our church covenant, we promise we will work to build up this church in the knowledge and maturity of Christ. In our church covenant, we pray and promise that we will pray for and seek to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. In our church covenant, we promise that we will walk together in brotherly love and exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully admonish and entreat one another as occasion may require. That we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together nor neglect to pray for ourselves and others. There's more. And we rehearse these promises at every member's meeting, don't we? But member of Loudoun Valley Baptist Church, remember that this is the way each of us is to live in this local church family. This is what we've committed to each other and to Christ our head. So if you reflect on your life and you have to kind of search long and hard in your memory to think of anybody else in this church that you are actively doing spiritual good to. I hope you see what you're missing. And I hope you repent for your own sake and for the sake of your brothers and sisters here. Remember, you're a member of a body. Seek to love and care for the health of the other members so that the body as a whole grows up into Christ. And finally, if you're a member of this church and you're just weary in caring for other members of this church and you're starting to feel what we mentioned before, that you're kind of being held back and maybe even drugged down by the burdens and sorrows and immaturity of other people in this church. Take heart. We are part of Christ's church. He will establish her. He will perfect her. And one day he will come back for her. So take heart. And do not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some. But strive all the more to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day of Christ drawing near. Let's pray. Lord, we love your church. Help us to take her seriously and to live out our faith together so we might persevere together to the end. 
We ask, Lord, that you would cultivate in us an affection for one another as brothers and sisters in this spiritual family, as members of one spiritual body, so that our faith might grow and so that we might love others as we affirm the fruit you're bearing in and through them. Lord, we ask for the building up of your church and specifically the local church at Loudoun Valley Baptist. Again, as we always pray, for your glory and our joy. Amen.